Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Nino Nasuni, and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast. This episode of the Wheel Suckers podcast is brought to you by Katusha Sports. In this week's episode of the Wheel Suckers podcast, we've interviewed Nina Asuni, who is a legend with a capital L in the bike industry in London. It's an honor to have her on the show. She's a font of amazing knowledge, and she's got some really great stories to share. She ran the bicycle workshop in the Wild West London, which closed uh, roughly a year ago, and a lot of us were very sad. We had to hunt Nino down and get her in to chat to her a little bit about that and hubs and more. Please enjoy. Hi, I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands, a cycle cafe bar workshop on 49 Old Street, London. We serve coffee, bikes, beer and food and I'm joined by my stoker. Hey, it's Jenny. I'm stoked. I'm stoking in the rear. Of the bike. I'm the director of the London Bike Kitchen. We're a do-it-together bike workshop located in Hackney. And we teach people how to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions, and our women and gender variant wag nights. Maybe you've noticed the sound is really nice in this episode. I hope so. I hope they notice it's crisp and wonderful. and Orally massaging. (laughs) There isn't like a pain. There isn't a buzzing. Because we are recording at Wardour Studios, a beautiful, sunny, central London Fitzrovia. Yeah. And we've got the amazing Nina Nasuni of Bicycle Workshop fame who David, our recording sound engineer, was like, I used to be a customer of yours. <laughs> Nina, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. I ran the bicycle workshop from 1980 till last August when I shut the shop down because it just got too expensive to keep going. And I'm now semi-retired. I can't stop fixing bikes. It's in <laughs> it's in my blood. <laughs> so, That's good to hear. How did you get into it then? If you say it's in your blood, um, were you always doing stuff? I've always fixed my own bike. Even when I was quite young, I fixed my own bike. I trained as a librarian, and I used to cycle to work every day. When in the seventies, the political situation got such that libraries got very strapped for cash. And Where was this? I worked in London oh. and a lot of libraries were doing three-day weeks and things like that and we couldn't buy books. All sorts of things were, political things were going on and I was getting a bit bored with it. So I was going past a bike shop and they were looking for a mechanic. So I went in and asked for a job 
and gave my notice in. And that's how I started. I started out working in other bike shops and then I learnt, learnt on the go, really. My local bike shop was also very helpful. They taught me a lot. Eventually it got to the stage where a friend and I decided that we had enough knowledge to set our own workshop up. We didn't want to sell bikes. And that was always the ethos of Bicycle Workshop was that we were there to repair bicycles. And then gradually over time started selling parts and accessories as well. But the main thing was get your hands dirty and do the job and make people's your, bikes yeah. nice. <laughs> what was your decision about not selling? Because actually at Look Mom House we don't sell bikes. Mainly I think because of storage Space. issues. Yeah, and just it's a whole big minefield, so we just repair. But what was your... Even in those days, there was space issues because you had to stock bicycles, and that meant a huge investment. I started Bicycle Workshop with a friend of mine, Brian, and between us we put in tools, £500, and got a £2,000 bank loan. Wow. Wow. And that's how we started. We had a short life property that What's we that? rented locally. That's a property that's waiting for the social housing landlords to do the redevelopment on it to make it lettable. And in the meantime, they let small businesses. I don't think it happens anymore. Some things are called meanwhile space. Meanwhile space, yeah. yeah. So Building. back in the day, you could get cheap property that you could use and you just paid nominal rent. And so we spent all our money buying tools and spokes and brake cables and gear cable and all those sorts of things. I was wondering how you were received when you walked mm, into that workshop. Um, you were like, well, no, like... it was it was a negative response. It was like, mm, you're a woman. <laughs> Didn't quite say that, but um, mm. you, you, got, you could understand that they, there was a very, I did have to try more shops before I finally got a job. That wasn't the, the first job I looked at was just the one that motivated me, but it, they didn't actually take me I was going to say, because did they, would they want to take you on? Did you have much experience previously? Only fixing friends' bikes and my own bikes. It was really a long shot for any shop that took me on. I mean, I was a librarian. <laughs> so, but um, eventually somebody was brave who, and took me on. The shop they don't like, exist they anymore. Don't exist. No, it was oh. in Fulham. I was working in Fulham at the time at the Children's Library. So it was actually in Fulham up the top of North End Road dreadful but I can't actually remember what they were called <laughs> <laughs> they took me on and I worked there for a little while and then I went off and worked in another place and um, for a short while I worked in a bike shop in West Hampstead that was the start of Freewheel and Madison and all of that the people that owned that bike shop the distributor. Um, it was called no. It was a retailer. It was retailer. Called, it was a little shop called Beta Bikes, but it was in West Hampstead. People who had that shop started Madison in the offices above the shop, and one of the last places that I worked before I started my own shop was in that shop there. And they had a workshop. They had a very good workshop. By working in other bike shops, I managed to make contact with the trade, learn a bit about all that side of it, as well as learning a lot more about doing repairs as a mechanic in a shop, because it's different. You're doing it on, as a, on a more professional level. That was quite an experience in those different shops. In fact, Sam, 
who was one of the starters at Look Mom No Hands, mm. came to work for me no way. casually for a few weeks, met quite a few of my suppliers and things before starting Look Mom No Hands. And was he doing like recon? <laughs> well, he was a friend he was a friend of one of my mechanics. He had been to the shop before. Did know him. Oh, okay. I thought so, he was a yeah, secret, he, like a secret no, shopper. No, he did say to me, he was like, you need to go speak to Nino. You have to. He was like, and when he saw it was closing, he was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So that was, you know, but also the original people who started Brixton, Tim and Tom, before it became the big co-op is now down Cold Harbour Lane. They came and spent a bit of time with me in very quite early days of my shop (laughs) quite early days of my shop and just talking to us and it's good to I in those days I used to go around bike shops in the early days of my shop I used to go around bike shops and talk to other bike shops and learn things and that's true I did that as well I forgot about that I mean you know I went into a bike shop in actually a bike shop in Amsterdam and they kept all their cables in plastic tubing so when I got back to my shop, the first thing I did yeah, was go like, to the yoink. plumber's merchants, <laughs> go to the plumber's merchants down the road and buy loads of plastic tubing, such a good just, idea, just waste pipe tubing, and cut it to length. And then you could have your gear cables, your brake cables, all your cables, and you just pull them out of the top. Such a good idea. And you can get little caps for the bottom so they don't fall out the bottom. It's all clever, like managing. Space. You yes, can, like, managing steal space. ideas from yes. other bike shops. Yes, managing space, <laughs> managing stock, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Getting ideas, because yeah. we can't all think of everything. No. no. So we share ideas, but also share experiences. But yes, no, being being a woman in the cycle trade in the early days, there, there were other women. I wasn't the only one. And there were women before me. Pat Hanlon's famous. She's known as a frame builder, wheel builder, but she didn't actually build her frames. Other people built her frames for her. One of whom was Tom Board, who actually worked at my shop for a little while. And um, he was a very good frame builder. And I've got two Tom Board frames. (laughs) And she was a really good wheel builder. Really, really good wheel builder. And she was fantastic. Pat was really I mean, people don't know her now, but she was really famous even after she'd retired as being a fantastic wheel builder. Um, I wonder if there's a relationship with women being wheel builders. Factories, they use women because women are very, very dexterous. If you watch some of the... If I could build wheels like that, I would be... I don't have time to Well, like the rally factory videos. Where they just literally... They seem to just twist their hands and the spokes just drop into the hub. (laughs) Actually, just doing magic. We all know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. wheel building is magic. Cool. Yeah, I love um, wheel. I love wheel building. I don't do much of it anymore, but I do love wheel building. We've got two female wheel builders on staff, and they love it. It's very therapeutic. Them, it's very relaxing. Mm. Um, and one of our our wheel building instructor, Joe, is trying to decide now: does she go into more race level team mechanic work, or does she become a professional? Just Focusing on wheel building. Yes. And then I met the wheel builder from Stair Cycles, you did. She was saying when she became the wheel builder at Stair, she noticed a difference in um, how people treated her as well. And I'm wondering if you've had that kind of experience. I don't think people, well, certainly not on the retail side, the customers appreciate the skill that goes into wheel building 
to you that extent. You think you're just throwing spokes in? Well, I'm not even sure. They, but on a more general level, I'm not sure that the general public as such have a concept of how the wheel actually appears and goes together. I mean, people who people who ride on the level that we do, even the ones that aren't in the trade, understand that it's something quite quite amazing. complicated and amazing and a little bit of magic in the cycle trade. <laughs> and there is a little bit of mysticism and, and mythology around it that in some ways shops perpetrate because it makes it more interesting and, and gives it more value because otherwise people won't value it. And it is a skill. It does take patience to learn to do it properly. And they do make a difference to how the bike rides. You can go super custom, deep custom, <laughs> deep custom, custom rims, spokes, yeah, hubs. There's a lot of this with cycling, I think, where it's, you can kind of avoid understanding a lot of how it all works and why paying for certain things is important. I think, but that's a model that applies to so many different things. So many different people yeah. just don't value yeah. particular things. It's a shame. I mean, a lot of people just want to get on their bike and ride it. And that sort of goes back to hub gears. It's That's where hub gear bicycles are so good because there is relatively little maintenance involved. There is some. And I get really angry with shops that sell them as maintenance-free. <laughs> and, yeah. and then when they break down and they get sent to me and they come and they say, but when I bought this bike, I was told it would be maintenance-free. There's no such thing as maintenance-free. That might be a good segue into hub gears because you are still known amongst mechanics in London as the hub gear person. Like you, <laughs> ever people would send you their gears to get sorted out. Yes, is this true? Yes, yes, yes. We used to get people turn up who'd been sent by other bike shops, where the bike shop would service everything else, and then leave the hub gear. And the person would bring the bike to us and we'd service the hub gear. So that became a bit of a speciality. And it's a bit of an obsession of mine. I love I love hub gears. <laughs> I love taking them apart and putting them back together, taking something that doesn't work and making it work. And that's pretty much what I do now is I still repair hub gears. And people ring me up from all over the place. I love taking things apart and working them out and putting them back together again. But I started where everybody should start, with the three-speed, because the three-speed is just really simple and straightforward. If you take that apart and put that back together, it gives you the concept of how it works, and it also gives you the courage to get on and do the next one along and work your way up. I just love hub gears. I just think they're a wonderful thing. It's an ideal solution, I think, for a lot of city bikes, because it keeps everything inside and away from but is that the flip that if something then goes wrong it is inside and it's quite hard to get to it yes the flip side is if it goes wrong (laughs) it is more difficult and despite the fact that they are relatively simple to repair most mechanics are not willing prepared interested in fixing them but there's been a real revival in hub gear bicycles and suddenly there's lots of them back on the streets when I started, loads and loads of people had hub gear bicycles. Then they disappeared, and you still saw them, but not as often. And now we're seeing all the bikes that are coming out with all the seven speeds and the nine speeds and the eight speeds, and it just moves on. Nine speeds not made anymore. Seven speeds are rarer now. 
you mostly see eight speeds and 11. Is this the Shimano series? Yes. So and Nexus then, and Alpine. Yes, the Nexus and the Alpine. And then you go on to the 14 with the roll-off. Mm. Is that, is that like the Holy cream moly. of the crop? That is the that is the the top of the pile. <laughs> <laughs> I think we joked that like if anything went wrong with a roll off, because it it's got a lifetime warranty. Yeah, you send it back to Germany. Oh, because we would say like a helicopter would come in and the guy would drop down and like grab the hub and take it back. Go 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 go! <laughs> Get in the chopper. <laughs> you send it back to Germany and it gets fixed and it comes back to you. And when I had the shop, we had a customer come in who'd been on a tour for three years and had not looked after his hub at all. It came in and it sounded like a tin of gravel (laughs) when you turned the wheel it was just and so we sent it back to roll off and it came back and it was just beautiful again and he went off on another tour. Wow. <laughs> Probably just destroyed how, it again. But how would one look after Yeah, I was just thinking then? that. Could we have some top tips? Yeah. The, the main thing that people forget about is changing the cable. Because a lot of the time when hub gears come into me, the problem with the hub gear is not in the hub. It's the fact that the cables got old and you... Look at some of the cables when you pull them off the bike. They're so old and stiff. They've got kinks in them and they won't move. You have to actually physically bend them. They're, they're, they're so... So you can imagine the inner wire running through that is not running smoothly. And the mistake that some people make is that they change the inner wire without changing the outer. Never change the inner without changing the outer. <laughs> and then on some of the older hubs, you still put oil in them. But if you're not going to put oil in it, if it's a hub that's been greased, if you use the bike every day, it should go and be dipped or have it taken apart and re-greased or whatever is relevant to your hub because they're all different. Mm. Roll-offs have oil changes, so do the Shimano 11. The Alpine 11, you take the old oil out, give it a clean and put new oil in and that's it. And if you do that regularly, the hub will just run forever. How often, though? You don't need to do it that often, do you? No. Depends how much you ride the bike. If you ride to work every day, once a year, take it in or do it yourself. When you get it serviced. Yes, when you get the bike serviced. Your brake blocks need changing. Your chain needs changing. Other things need doing. Your hub gear needs an oil change or a re-grease. If you've got a really old three-speed, Sturmy Archer three-speed, has a little cap on it, and you flip the cap and you just put a few drops of oil in it. And it goes, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yes. There we go again. Oh, yeah, Thank it, you. It makes it happy. <laughs> yeah. I witnessed a, a roll-off oil change the mm. other week. That was pretty interesting. It's like syringes and like... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes. But it's so simple. Yes, it is. It's very... People can do it themselves. You can buy the kit, which is just two little bottles, one bottle of cleaner and one bottle of oil, and a syringe and a little tube that you attach. And that's it. It's really easy. And so, you know... You should put a little note in your diary, M-O-T, my bicycle. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. we should start doing that, bicycle M-O-T. Yeah. But every car driver has to take their car for an M-O-T. Mm. You just need to be reminded. It's so easy to get used to it getting worse and worse and yeah. worse until you don't notice anymore that it sounds like gravel. You're just it's like, so this is how it sounds. Nah, it's cool. It was always <laughs> like this. Yeah. And then yeah. you get it fixed and serviced and you get on the bike and you're like, this isn't my bike. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> like, what have I been putting up for so long? An old customer rang me when I was on my way here and said, was I still doing repairs? And I said, yes. And what was wrong? And he said, well, I'm getting through a lot of shoe leather because I haven't had any brakes on my bike for a few weeks. Because oh, <laughs> his brake blocks were so worn down that they weren't even touching the rims anymore. So... <laughs> People do. They get used to... Yeah. Is it mm-hmm. that thing about frog in hot water? Oh, yeah. Just, right. You really just keep slow. slowly turning the heat up and then that's how you kill a frog because it doesn't oh. jump out. <laughs> it's like, this is fine. And then it's a massive repair bill. If you do it regularly, <laughs> it doesn't need as much work. And that was the routine that I spent years training my regular customers into. <laughs> the routine, yeah. if you do a lot of miles, get it done every six months. And if you don't do that many miles, but you ride it every day... Do it every year. Every year. Take your bike in, get it serviced, and it, it will just, it'll be cheaper built and it'll last longer. And it'll save the universe because like, we won't be throwing away yeah. so much stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, if you, if you ride your bike into the ground, it's like people with derailleur gears. If you tell them that if you change your chain on a regular basis, I mean, not every week, but on a regular basis before it gets too worn out, you don't wear your chain ring and your sprockets out. And so you can just put a new chain on and they all last longer. So you're not throwing so much metal away. We've got a metal But mountain. also it's cheaper. And it's cheaper. The chain's the cheapest chain's thing. Chain's the cheapest change. thing on the bike. We try to instill that into people in the classes. Mm. But I like this idea of Maybe we should start sending out reminders to our customers, oh, yeah. training training mm. our customers. I feel like you should book, you know, like when you get a haircut and they're like, should we book you in for the next one? Next, and you're yes. like, well, no, but maybe because I'll forget. <laughs> well, we did that with bikes and, and people booked in. and Like a year into the future. Sometimes, yes. Wow. And, then, and then before the service, just before the service, I would send out a text to remind people. I got that idea from the vet. <laughs> yes! The vet sent me a text every year to remind me that my cat was due for his annual checkup. We check-up. should do the same for bikes. They're like our pets. Yeah. More yeah. than that, actually. But yeah. 
part of me. Yeah. We're attached to us. Attached to yeah. 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 But this whole thing of not wearing everything into the ground and changing things regularly and it being more economical takes us on to tyres. Yeah. Where if you spend that little bit more money on your tyres and buy a better quality tyre... Oh, yes. ...with better puncture resistance, it lasts longer. And you're not changing your tyres all the time and you're not getting punctures all the time. You don't create this pile and you don't of create tires this, in tire the back waste, of bike workshop. Tire waste is the biggest issue for bike shops that do repairs. They take up so much space. And it's yeah. cheap tires are a false economy. What's your beef with Marathon Pluses? Just because I... My, <laughs> my... I try to talk customers out of Marathon Pluses because... Okay, you don't get punctures in them, but you generally destroy the tire before it's worn out because the tires are so hard that people think their tires are pumped up to pressure and they're not. If you ride the Marathon Plus at low pressure, it cracks around the edges and splits, and then you have to buy a new tire when you've still got lots of tread on your tire. And that's a pain to put on. (laughs) An expensive tire, it's hard to fit. And it's also made of lots of different compounds, so it's virtually unrecyclable. Where some of the other tyres, the simpler tyres, are recyclable. And what's your favourite tyre? Oh, Panaracer Ribmo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny tyre, the Ribmo, but I love it. It's a really good tyre to ride on. It's got really good puncture resistance. And everyone gets a bit of a laugh because the Ribmo is ride bike more. Yeah, it says it on the side. It says of the it tire. on the side of the tire. <laughs> ride bike more. It yeah. says ride bike more. It yeah. sounds really silly. It's a, it, but it is <laughs> such a, it's such a good tire. <laughs> it's such a good tire. It's a good shape, so that you don't have too much tire in contact with the road when you're cycling, but when you corner, it's got a very good profile, so that the tread is on the road when you're cornering, so you're much less likely to to slip and lose traction. So that's my favourite tyre of the last few years. <laughs> Mine too. Nice. That and um, the Gravel Kings. Yeah, that that's and the Gravel King. Now. Yeah. Really nice. Supple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Supple tyres. <laughs> but with hub gears, it, it actually makes a difference. The, the, the gears are held in position by these tiny little paws, and they, these little things that, that, that hook into little ridges on the, on the hub. And... It just helps everything to not be under strain, under stress, under strain when you when you change the gear. And your gears will just last longer, regardless of whether they're three speed or 14 or something in between. Because it's such a mm. it's also a really old technology. I was just remembering we've got a poster in the workshop from like 1908 Sturmey mm. Archer. Mm. Used on the Tour de France, yes. like what? Yes, yes. yes. The three <laughs> old oh, technology is the best technology. <laughs> the three-speed hub was a big thing. It was a big, big thing. It was a big innovation for cycling. But it's not around as much anymore. Not. They're still there. I mean, you can still get it. Pashley, Pashley still sell bikes with three-speed hubs. The technology's changed slightly. It's moved on. Things have been done. Um, in the early days, you used to have this little cap that you put oil in, and then they changed it so that they packed them with a light grease, so people don't need to remember to put oil in. It also means that run a lot longer without much maintenance. I think they're wonderful things. 
Oh, what's the best way to change the gears when you're riding a hub gear? Because oh. I think a lot of people don't know. Oh, there was one Sturmiata eight-speed hub that actually had a little sticker that said, do not backpedal when you're changing gear. Best analogy I can find is for people who drive is that it's a bit like the clutch in a car. You have to make it easier for all that stuff inside the gearbox to move. And to do that, the best thing to do is stop pedaling and then just very slightly backpedal as you change gear. And it's called a clutch in the hub as well. The little sliding clutch that goes up and down that engages the gears. It helps it to go into gear. It causes less damage inside the hub. If you crunch the gears, if you change gear while you're still putting pressure on the gears, then it does them a lot of damage. But even with derailleur gears, you, do, you don't stop pedalling with derailleur gears, but you do take the pressure off so that you're not pushing so hard so that the chain can move. It's really strange when I swap from riding a hub gear bicycle to riding a derailleur bicycle, I have to remember not to backpedal when I'm changing gear <laughs> and to keep pedalling forward. And to be really mindful. Yes. Your spoke library lives on. <laughs> we, we have it. It has like pride of place in our workshop. And I, I sold my spoke library that I was very proud of to London Bike Kitchen. <laughs> Tim wanted to get rid of it. He's like, oh, this isn't, I'm not going to have room for this. I was like, we need this. Like, this is so good. And and it's been almost a year now and it's still there and we use it all the time. Good. For those who don't know, maybe me, what is it? Oh, exactly. so it's like a, a it's basically a, a chest. Well, you should yeah, describe it's a, it. It's yeah. a cabinet that was actually built by a man, Steve, who used to be a customer of mine, but was also a carpenter. And he he built me this purpose-built cabinet that takes square section drain piping cut down into lengths so that you can move things around. And then the spoke boxes fit into it. And it means you can look at these shelves with these little pigeonholes in them and you've got all your spokes in order by the type it's, a, it's wow, so yeah. useful because spokes so are... It's so easy to pull spokes out. Spokes come in lengths and the differences of two millimeters. And it makes a difference. If you build a wheel with spokes that are just, you know, two mil off, it can th completely throw out the wheel. And so being able to see, yeah. like... If you repair lots of different kinds of bicycles, you have to carry lots of different sizes of spokes. Mm. Everything from Bromptons with 16-inch wheels... <laughs> up to 700 C's and then you have different length spokes for different hubs so if you're using a hub with a bigger flange the spokes are shorter and if you're using a hub with a smaller flange the spokes are longer and then you get different depth rims and so that changes the yep. spoke length so yeah, you end really up really sounds precise. tricky yeah you end we do up a class with a <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I can find out more if you want to learn more <laughs> So you end up with a huge collection of spokes, which is what I had. What's your opinion on like pinion gearboxes? The, this new trend with them. I don't know, to be honest. Until I've had a bit more, I tend to hold fire until I've had a bit more experience of it. I mean, what we haven't mentioned is the mountain shift, the two-speed that goes in the bottom bracket before the one that's out now. Schlumpf, two-speed, where you kick it with your heel and it changes. And we've fitted quite a lot of those to people because you could have your hub gear or a derailleur with a single chain set and 
two-speed in there, and then you didn't have to have a front mech. So for some frames, which are a little bit unusual, like Moulton's, where some of the Moulton's fitting a front mech never really worked very well, you could have the two-speed inside the bottom bracket and have your derailleur or your hub gear at the back, and it doubled up whatever you had on the back. So it automatically gave you six gears or... And we did it on a few Bromptons as well in the in-between period when Domi Archer closed down and there was a bit of a shortage of hub gears and things. Quite a few of our Brompton customers, because there wasn't a five-speed at the time, changed up until they got the six-speed organised. And we put two-speeds into their bottom brackets. It can be quite a nifty way of getting around this 11 by one and 10 by one setup that's mm-hmm. starting now going to get people who think it's not enough gears and they can put a bottom bracket two speed more gears and double up and have even more gears living that one one simple life i have to i have to say my derailleur bike still has seven sprockets on the back that's all right i have five actually no three on the front i did change it a few years ago I don't know why we're going up to 12 now. Well, just I, because you can doesn't mean you yeah, should, right? Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm so bored of stuff like that. <laughs> when I was, just add more. When I was closing the shop down, I um, wanted to use up some of the frames I had knocking about and things like that. And I made up some sort of hybrid type mountain bikes with eight on the back and one on the front. And I met a little bit of resistance. It's funny, people are a bit even for city riding people can be a bit macho if it's not a single speed then it's got to have a million zillion gears that they'll never use that they'll never use they'll just but use they just want two. them there yeah, yeah. yeah. just in just case there, yeah. just for comfort it's, I, I feel I feel like I feel like an old lady and I go well we used to get on very well with just three gears and five gears <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of bikes a lot of early derailleur bikes especially some of the city women's bikes had five sprockets on the back and a single on the front and everyone just got on with it. Just dealt with it, yeah. I heard there was a ghost in the oh, workshop. Yes, oh. a ghost story! <laughs> Can you uh, tell us a story? Well, I don't suppose they'll listen to it, but my shop's just been rented out and um, they've made lots of changes to it. But I haven't actually, I have actually met the new tenants, but I haven't actually um, told them about my ghost. I didn't tell anybody for years, but I saw a few times this man in go into the shop or come into the shop and then disappear and it felt very strange and so I never told anybody until one day Mike who'd been working for me for quite a few years by then came into the shop and said oh did somebody come in and I said no and he said he saw somebody walk into the shop and I said you've just seen the ghost I've seen it because our shop was the only shop left on the street that had very few changes made to it. It was still very much as it was originally in terms of the layout of the shop. And what was the, it originally? The way the rooms were and things like that. Well, it was various things over the years. It was built mm. in 1860, the building. The room layout was still the same. The walls hadn't been knocked down and doors hadn't been widened and all that kind of thing. And I think that may be why we still had this ghost and I've done a little bit of research into what was in the shop around the time 
that the shop was built because he was dressed very much late 19th, early 20th century. And a, a boulder? Or? Well, a, a bit of a hat. The hat to me was very vague, but it was the black coat, upright stance about him. And Mike described somebody very similar. No way. So I, I thought, stories. right. I love so ghosts. having never believed in ghosts, but being a little and being a little bit sceptical about what I was seeing and thinking, no, it's just some a shadow out of the corner of my eye or something. I decided we must definitely have a ghost because if Mike's seen it as well, then it wasn't just me. And what did you see it doing? It would it generally just, just walk, walk in and out. Just walk past you, almost walk through you, really. And I said, but you'd be outside talking to a customer and you'd be aware of this person walking into the shop. You'd sort of go, oh, give me a minute, I'll just go in. And you'd go and there's nobody there. Wow. Ultimate ghost prankster, right? And you feel really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> That's so exciting. There. Wow. But that was like my little secret for years. <laughs> Did you see the ghost just before you closed up? No, I think the last time I saw the ghost was probably about three years ago. Actually, I've been out of the shop for nearly a year now, so it would have been the last two years, two years before the shop closed. It wasn't that regular. trying to walk in and there'll be like like a door. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it wasn't all the time, but just very occasionally you'd see him. It was very odd. Amazing. I think that's been a wonderful educational experience. (laughs) thank you very much Nina you're you're very welcome I've enjoyed the chat Wheel Suckers podcast is sponsored by Katusha the very best amazing and only cycling brand in the world Katusha make really nice cycling kit and they're looking to expand into more women's focused clothing we have a discount code for 10% off anything on the Katusha website the code is K4LBK, and that's all capital letters, K-F-O-R-L-B-K. And that gets you 10% off your entire order. You get free shipping and returns for 30 days. And that code is live until the 31st of August. If you like what we do, squish that like button, rate us on iTunes, and subscribe. If you can't give us your money, give us your stars. And don't forget to slam that share button and tell all your podcast listening and perhaps also cycling friends about our show. Until next time, bye! Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 